I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Hello, everybody. Let's get right down to it. We have seen some, some statements made by America, the United States of America. Uh, we, we've got some different, I guess, understandings based on election results that we see over and over and over again. I think it's pretty clear that prior to the overturning of Roe versus Wade, there were reports that 70% of Americans were against abortion, didn't like the idea of, of killing little babies in the womb, thought that it was wrong, would push for uh, restrictions, this, that, and the other thing. But in every election since then, this has been the turning point of the election. Republicans have come out on the losing end of many elections, and again, very recently. We saw that uh, places that are bright red installed uh, constitutional protections for abortion in Ohio, a bright red state. Uh, but no, abortion should be protected, it should be legal, and people should have access to it. What does that mean? What does that mean? Is it a failure of our country to protect innocent life? Or is it an indicator that we are not the mostly conservative country that people keep telling us we are? Have we, have we crossed the border now and we really are not that, uh, we're not that country? We're not that, um, that mostly conservative, uh, traditional kind of a place. We, are, we have moved down the road into the next level of progressive kind of living. Now, that, that seems to be what the results are telling us. Every place that this is on the ballot, people are coming out in huge numbers to say, no, we want abortion. We want it to be legal. We want it to be available. Uh, in many cases, we don't want any restrictions on it. Now, I think all along, uh, people who have supported um, ending abortion have done so because they have a value of life and they stand up for the baby, right? They're not telling a woman what she can't do. What they're selling is saying is someone has to um, stand up for the baby. You know, the baby's an innocent life. And if you have, if you have a faith, and in many religions, uh, they all say, you know, a baby is a baby, you know, from a minute of conception. What else is it? Right? It's not a, it's not a, a frog. It's not a, an elephant. It's not a, a tree. Uh, from the minute of conception, it's, it's a human being. Right? And those with faith know that it is infused with a soul from God, and that's what they believe. Right? That's what I believe. And we don't want to see that life destroyed. I have no interest in telling women what to do with their bodies. I really do not. Uh, I have a wife, I have a daughter, I have aunts, I have uh, female friends. I wouldn't want to tell them what to do with their body. That's, it, that's up to them, just like they shouldn't tell me what to do. But the reality is we were trying to protect the innocent life. It seems as though that is now a losing argument. You know, is it, is it symptomatic of the changes in America, of the things? You know, I think many of us kind of had this idea that not that America is a conservative place, but that it's 50-50 and most of us are somewhere in the middle. And when it comes to it, you know, we can go either way on the spectrum a little bit conservative here, a little more progressive there. 
but we all kind of had the same kind of belief system about what's right and wrong and what to do. But I think we're seeing over and over and over again now that that may be really just um, wishful thinking that America has been progressivized. These, you know, this, this unrelenting onslaught of left-wing media, left-wing news, left-wing reporting, left-wing indoctrination uh, is finally catching up to us. I think that's really what it is. Uh, you know, the, the polls are a little contradictory when you see that uh, right now they're saying uh, former President Trump would beat President Biden in a head-to-head -head election today by multiple points in some of these battleground states that he would absolutely need uh, to win to, to become the president. And when you juxtapose that against these, these other elections where, you know, Republicans are, are getting wiped out even in red states, uh, and even more so in blue states, uh, you say to yourself, what, what is the message? What, why are we so confused about what, how we want to proceed as a country, as a people? What are we trying to do? And this is where uh, I'm not being pessimistic. I'm not being pessimistic here. I'm simply trying to see what are the signs telling me. And I think the signs are clearly telling us now that abortion is something that drives not just people to the polls, but it is probably the one issue that motivates people. Uh, that ability to do what you want with a pregnancy. Let's put it that way. Let's take baby out of it and let's say with a pregnancy. A woman gets pregnant and it doesn't fit her lifestyle. It doesn't fit her relationship status. It doesn't fit what she wants to do with her life or her plan. And she does not want to proceed with giving birth to a baby. And therefore, the ability to have abortion on demand means she doesn't have to deal with that. I think that is what we finally have got to come to grips with, uh, that uh, the majority of people in our country, and I know people can make the argument, well, those are the people that come out to vote. Well, those are the people that come out to vote. If you didn't get out to vote uh, and, and make your stand on the issue, then, you know, shame on you. Uh, but this is what we have to look at now. Is this what's taking place? Have we, have we crossed that battle line? And if we have, what do we do about it? What do the Republicans do about it? Because it seems to be the one issue across the board that regardless of people's personal interest in the economy, in their own state doing the right thing, of parental rights, everything else is subjugated under the uh, line of, uh, if you want to stop abortion, I'm against you. And therefore, I will come out and vote. Uh, and that's the end of that. So for all the people who voted um, for Democrat candidates, the thing is, it may be the one issue that they believed very strongly in. And that's what our country is about, right? Everybody has their opinions. You vote and it goes the way of the vote. That's, that's how we have to do it. As long as the vote is legitimate and it was correct and it wasn't, it wasn't cheating like we saw in Connecticut, right? Ballot stuffing, which people say never happens, but obviously um, it does happen. But anyway, if the election is on the up and up and everything is fair and one side beats out the other side, that's, that's how it goes. I mean, that's our system. Um, so what does this mean going forward for the Republican Party? It, I think it creates a conundrum. It creates a, a problem, a moral difficulty. Um, I know uh, Haley, excuse me, um, former Governor Haley, who's running for president, has come out and said, she articulated this a few months ago, we have to accept the fact that people want abortion. It is a killer issue, 
no pun intended, uh, for the Republican Party. People will vote for that over all their own personal interests, over national security. They'll vote for it over everything. So the Republican Party has to come to grips with that and come up with a some kind of a policy that allows for abortion. Um, and we just move on from that. We, you know, you, that genie is out of the bottle. You can't put it back. And it appears with all of these uh, election results, they're telling us over and over and over again that the majority of people do want abortion to be legal. Now, granted, not everywhere. In some states, you might find uh, there's strong support to stop abortions. But in the majority of the country, that that does not seem to be the case. And I can only I can only understand that by what happens and what people say, uh, why they voted the way they did. So I don't know how much more we have to discuss about this abortion situation. I think it's a reality. And the moral problem that conservatives and Republicans have is how, how do you give in and say, oh, OK, I believe very strongly in protecting the baby. And I think it's, a, it's, it's wrong to kill that child in the womb. Um, but since we're never going to win an election, if we don't give in on that, do we do the um, do we do the thing that's uh, against us morally uh, to make sure that we have a chance to win? So I think we're seeing some of the politicians in the party start to realize we're not the conservative nation we thought we were. We are more progressive. We are more liberal uh, than we thought. Now, that that has lots of uh, unintended consequences that come with it. You know, take, for example, if abortion is your you're a conservative person, but and you want conservative policies and you want conservative social things except for abortion, you want abortion to be free and legal. And in your state, uh, the persons that are the one person that's running says, no, no abortion. We're going to prevent it. We're going to stop it. We're going to outlaw it. And you say, well, I'm voting for the other person. then, And that's fine. That's a choice you can make. And that's, you know, that's a legitimate choice, whether you agree with it or not. That is their that is their position that the, that motivates them and moves them to the point that, hey, I have to do this. I, I have to cross party line and vote for this person. The unintended consequences that comes with that, and this goes either way. I mean, if you're a, if you're a liberal and you want to do everything progressive and liberal, uh, socialist and this and that, but there's one thing that the Republicans do that you think is really important, so you're going to cross lines and vote for them, no matter how it works, and either way in the parties. The reality is, if if you are conservative and you vote for abortion. So therefore, you vote for Democrats so that they'll keep abortion legal or restore it to your state or whatever. You're also voting for everything else that comes with liberal politicians. See, that's the unintended consequence. You wanted abortion to stay legal and to stay available at all times. And you vote for that Democrat candidate to get that. And the candidate wins. Well, that's good. You got what you wanted. You got what you voted for. Right. That's the whole system. You vote for what you want. But. With that, abortion also comes uh, a lack of parental rights, an attack on your Second Amendment rights, an attack on your free speech rights, an attack on your ability to live safely in your community because, uh, you know, soft on crime policies. You get everything else that comes with the Democrat candidate. And I, that's the unintended consequence, I think, for many people, uh, which is the only way I can rationalize 
the polls that say people don't want Biden anymore. They don't want his nonsense. They don't want his progressive ideas. They don't want his open borders. They don't want his soft on crime. They don't want his wars that are taking place all over the world because he's weak and the danger that that's bringing to us. Uh, They don't want that. They're starting to see that, you know, everything that people said and lied about Trump, uh, the, the country was better off under Donald Trump, whether you like him or not. The economy was better. We were strong in the world. Uh, there weren't war, wars everywhere. We were energy independent. I mean, you go over the list of things that were much, much better under Trump than they are currently under Joe Biden. Housing costs, interest rates, everything has gone in the tank. Uh, and what was what was that for? If we if we if we say okay, the election was legitimate, no matter how you feel about it. But let's say the election was legitimate. Um, People voted for Joe Biden because they were they were tired of the Trump tweets. They were tired of the controversy. They were co- tired of the constant drumbeat of the negative media going after him. But they did like the way the country was in retrospect. So people voted for Joe Biden to put an end to that background noise. The unintended consequence is that you get everything that comes with a Joe Biden for president. You get crime out of control. You get high interest rates, you get inflation, you get wars around the world, you get open borders, you get unregulated uh, immigration into the country. You have all the negatives that come with a progressive socialist agenda because you were sick and tired of the Trump uh, machine. You were sick and tired of the the drumbeat, the negativity that was coming out. And in retrospect, I think now people are looking back and going, well, yeah, I didn't like all that, but I sure did like living in the country a lot better then. It was safer. It was um, better. The economy was better. The housing was better. The, the, the military situation was better. Right. I, I think there's no way you can look at three years of Joe Biden as the president and the liberal agenda that he's managed to push through with the help of some very, very weak Republicans. We never forget that. Um, but the reality is uh, things were better under Donald Trump. He was a better Uh, steward uh, of the presidency than Joe Biden is, whether you like him or not. There's no way to look at it. You can't, you can compare any one of those uh, factors, Uh, cost of living, energy, gasoline costs, food costs, any of them. You can put them all together. We can go over them a thousand times. I think we all understand the situation. But when we come down to it, that, that, that discord between how people are voting in state elections, more liberal and progressive, uh, compared to how they say they would vote for president, all you're going to get is a is a gridlock because you're going to have, uh, you know, pro- the Republicans probably lose the House and it goes back to the to the Democrats. They already have the Senate. They'll probably increase in the Senate. Uh, they're going to push the abortion issue on every single ballot that they can possibly get it on because they know people are going to come out and vote. Um, you're going to hear the message ramped up and amped up uh, no matter where it goes. If you vote for that Republican, sure, the economy will be better. Sure, housing prices will come down. Sure, the nation will be stronger. Sure, everything will be better. But you won't be able to have an abortion. And people will pull the lever for the candidate that will allow them to have the abortions. And they will get everything else that comes with it. He's kind of get my message, what I'm saying here. You know, uh, so for Republicans and conservatives, and I got to be honest, I'm, I'm looking at this myself saying, 
I think it's to protect the baby. That's why we want to stop abortion. So what is the right way to do it? To make it illegal? Or is it to make a moral stand and then let people decide what they want to do? Now, this is very difficult. This is very difficult because uh, much like the Speaker of the House, um, I am informed by my religious faith. What does my religious faith and my church teach me about these things? Is that I should protect the unborn no matter what. That should be the thing, protect the innocent, right? Life from conception to natural death is something worth fighting for. But the question is, do I take that stand and have no power to do anything? Do, does everything else get thrown out uh, with my stand on what should happen with abortion? Or should I moderate my beliefs and say, well, okay, we should let abortion be legal, safe, and available whenever somebody wants it, and then try and message to them and win their hearts and minds that it's not the thing to do. That, well, even though it's available and you can do it, there's other things you can do. You can not get pregnant in the first place. You can behave in such a way so you don't end up pregnant. Uh, you can get pregnant and then you can uh, go to the adoption um, to the adoption route. And I have to tell you, um, I know a lot of people who have been trying for a long time to adopt a child, and it took years and years and years for them to adopt a child. Uh, and then, then finally, after, after many attempts, uh, some of them went to China, where they have to jump through hoops, and it's a ridiculous amount of money to, to uh, cost you to get a child. You have to go to China. You have to spend time there. You have to do things. Uh, and it was very difficult emotionally for everybody, as opposed to somebody doesn't want to be a, a parent, and they don't want that child, they put it up for adoption. Well, maybe that is something that we should spend uh, money on as a society. Maybe that's the alternative, all right? Uh, we have to develop a, a, and of course it would be, you know, it would be played with and people would steal the money from it, you know, government regulators, whatever. But if we had an agency that made it simpler, less expensive, that, okay, uh, this young lady is pregnant, she doesn't want to be, but she'll have the baby, and it's put up for adoption. And people are pre-screened. They're pre-screened and all set up, and it doesn't cost them ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 and all this time. They're pre-screened. You do a final screening. Hey, guess what? This baby was just born. Boom, there you go. There's your baby. The baby lives. The people who wanted a child have a child, and the person who didn't want a child doesn't have a child. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to work through this. Uh, because what good does it do us? This is the rubber meeting the road. What good does it do us who are more conservative, Republican, who believe in those kind of values uh, for the country, traditional American values and the way we see the world? What good does it do us to stand on a hill and make a stand if we never get a chance to implement anything that we believe? because of that stance. Do you see what I'm saying? That develops the moral, the moral side of this. Is it better to hold your position and lose or to moderate and win because of all the other things that come with a conservative uh, political philosophy? Better economy, better strength, uh, more stability, you know, all the good things that come with conservative and traditionalism. You know, I don't know. I had to bring it up and, and, 
and talk about it because this is what our recent elections have screamed at us. And I think we need to look at it closely. So um, Ms. Haley, who's running, she brought this up and said, listen, we have to moderate our position. We have to moderate our position. And that's it. Donald Trump uh, is also talking about moderating his position. He's against abortion. So he says you have to take him at his word. Uh, so is she. But the reality is the people want it. So therefore, is that something that as a leader, as a leader, uh, someone elected to office, that you have to listen to the majority of the people that want something and you implement it? And I'm thinking that, you know, I'm trying not to be weak about it. I'm trying to, you know, say I should morally stand my ground and protect those little babies who, who will be killed. There's no way around it. They will be if we allow this to go forward. But then I get to do nothing else. Uh, and I don't mean me, Joe Pangaro. I mean, our, our, um, our party doesn't get to move forward with traditional values, things that we all know are the, really the best for the whole country. It's, it's much more opportunity for everybody. Everybody's boat rises uh, uh, under uh, any type of a conservative administration uh, or laws because individual rights are protected and our, our constitutional rights are protected and et cetera, et cetera. So I think we need to think about that a little more. Um, we're going to see how things go, but I think that's on the mind of a lot of uh, Republicans today. What are we going to do? Are we going to moderate our position to allow for abortion? Uh, you know, some proposals are out there up to 15 weeks, or should it be 20 weeks? You know, is that more uh, engaging to people? Or um, should we stay on the more restrictive thing to protect the babies. That's what it's about. It's not about telling women what to do. It's about protecting the babies, including the female babies, the girl babies that will be will be killed. Or do we moderate that position? Now, I, I can beat this up and go round and round and round, but I think you get what I'm talking about. Because I think we're in this world that we're in now. We all have to take a fresh look at the world, our beliefs, what we want to get done, how we think we can function, or not function, and what's actually going to work. There's a paradigm shift going on in America. And we've all felt it. We all feel, you know, with all these things that are going on in our country, uh, culturally, uh, winning the war, losing the war, I, I think we all have got to really look deep and say, you know, what is it we want to do here? What can we, what can we salvage? Because I really do believe that the tide has turned. And I think it's unfortunate that the tide has turned. But I think the weight of history, the pull of history, uh, is, is moving us towards progressive socialism. I think that's where America is going. The majority of younger people all believe that. And in a couple of years, they outvote us. And they're going to they're drag us there kicking and screaming. So do we prepare for that? How do we rebound from this reality? How do we move forward with the reality of, of what it is we want? Or is that gone? Is that world that we have been fighting for, is that really a thing of the past and we're just not realizing it? You know, it's one of those things, what did they say about when the terrorists attacked us in 9-11? There was a saying there, they said, um, they knew they were at war with us, we didn't, right? So we know the, the progressive world is at war with conservative values and traditional America. We've seen it 
for years now. We've seen the attacks on everything traditional, even all the protests, uh, the, the pro-Hamas people out there uh, taking a different... You, you can imagine, you can always expect that the left and progressive are going to take the side that's anti-American or anti... Um, I don't even know what else to call it. Hamas is a terrorist, murderous organization. So when there's a choice between them and Israel, it seems easy. You take Israel, right? But our friends on the left always take the negative side, no matter what it is. They take uh, now they take Hamas. They're out screaming and hollering that we should, you know, protect Hamas, even though they murder and rape and kill and burn uh, people. Uh, they take their side. So I think we have to try and understand where what's where are we going? What what's happening now? Because while people, I think, espouse a lot of ideas to keep fighting, keep fighting to get it back, my question is, is it possible to get it back? How do we, how do we take more than half the country, which is what it is now, I think, more than half the country, uh, and, and if it is not more than half the country, it's 50-50, and in time, as these younger people who are indoctrinated in all this progressive thought and whatnot, as they uh, mature into voting age, uh, it will be more than 50%, and they will get the world that they want because that's how it works. Uh, you can vote yourself into socialism. you got to shoot your way out. Remember that? So I think that's a reality of our world, and um, I, I, I can't say I fear. I fear for the future because you know what? I'm not going to be here forever. My, I'm in the fourth quarter of life. You know what I mean? You're in the fourth quarter of life. Uh, you could go at any time. My concern is for my children who are still living their lives. They're just, they're, just, they're just setting out on their own for a future. My grandchildren that are out there, you know, they are the future. I don't know what they're going to live in. You know, people in Venezuela uh, were living their life, and then they had this great idea of being progressive and liberal, and then was taken, and now they're living in absolute poverty and misery, eating their pets for food. That's how it usually goes. Uh, it'll probably go slower than that in America, but we all see how fast things can change. Almost on a dime, almost overnight, we can't decide what bathrooms to use. We're fighting over that. We have a terrorist organization that murdered and raped children, babies, and old people and women. And we have thousands and thousands and thousands of our fellow citizens marching in support of them. And again, I guess we have to we try and define that when we come back from our break. We will. Um, is it, it, it? Are they confused? These people that want all this progressive stuff are they confused? Are they just so good of heart that they only see goodness in all of this kind of stuff? Uh, or are they are they aiming for something else? Are they aiming for something else? Um, I don't know. And this is what I think. It's probably a, a, what do they call it, a come-to-Jesus moment. It's, it's one of those things we have to realize uh, that maybe our hopes and dreams for returning America to the uh, America of our, of our past that we remember growing up in is really not possible. We can't go back to that. It's a brave new world, and it's going to be whatever develops next uh, in America, which probably is more progressive than many people would like. I think that's just a reality, and we have to consider how we're going to deal with that. What are we going to do as we go forward? All right, so I'm going to take a break, and we'll be back in a couple minutes. I have a lot more things here on my pages of outrages to talk about. 
World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back. You know, I hope uh, I I wasn't too maudlin. I hope it wasn't too depressing in that first segment. But I hope you can hear the consternation in my head. I'm trying to figure out how we go forward. What's this going to mean for my children and grandchildren? And what's going to mean for the, you know, the fourth quarter of my life? How is it going to turn out? What are we going to do? Uh, are we going to have opportunities that we traditionally have always had? Or are we going to have to live a different kind of life? All right. So for, and I do want to tell you right now, and I want to make sure I get it in here. I want to talk about healthy cell products just for a second. Uh, you know that I like them. I talk about them. They're on the network here. Uh, I take the immune boost. It has been very, very helpful to me. Miss Kathy, my wife, she takes it. It's been very, very helpful to her. There's the REM sleep products. If you're having trouble sleeping, it can help you. Uh, and then there's the focus factor who can help you. It can help you with your memory and with uh, keeping your thoughts aligned. So when you're sitting listening to me, uh, you can pull all this uh, stuff together. All right, so healthy cell products, take a look at them. All right, so let me go to my pages of outrages here and see. What else can we what else can we deal with here? So Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman, she's the only Palestinian Congresswoman in the American uh, Congress, and she was uh, sanctioned because of her commentary, her commentary pro Hamas commentary. So when I, at the end of the the first uh, part of our get together here, I talked about defining this, and this is this has been one of the problems. 
one of the problems we have is defining things and trying to understand them. Um, nobody, I think, has a problem with the individual Palestinian people who are living in the Gaza Strip or in the West Bank. Um, I want nothing bad to happen to them. I want them to live beautiful lives. I want them to um, practice their religion, raise their families, uh, you know, have good lives. That's what I want for them. That's what I want for everybody. Um, and are they, are they all pro-Hamas there? Are they all in favor of eradicating the state of Israel and killing the Jewish people? Uh, is that what they're all about? then that would make them combatants. Remember a couple, a couple episodes ago, we talked about what makes a combatant? So if they are innocent people who don't agree with murder, rape, mayhem, and destruction, they are just kind of stuck because that's what's going on in their country, then they, they would absolutely be innocent civilians, Palestinian civilians, who are forced to live that way, kind of like the people probably had to live under uh, the Nazis. Uh, but we know that a lot of people were Nazi sympathizers during World War II. Uh, so the, not every German citizen was against Hitler. They, they came out in droves to support him. Well, we see thousands and thousands of people uh, in the Gaza Strip and over in uh, the West Bank supporting Hamas. They vote for them. Now, do they vote for them with a gun to their head? I don't know. We don't know because we don't get honest reporting. People don't really tell us. There's no, there's no desire to um, fill in the blanks and tell the truth. There's, there's narratives, right? Because we know we can't trust the media. The media picks picks what side they're going to be on, and uh, and that's all you get. You don't get any other choices but what they give you. Um, but Rashida Tlaib has come out, and I believe she passionately believes uh, she's anti-Israel. I think she's. Uh, she doesn't like the Jewish people. She doesn't like Israel. And I think she has that Palestinian mindset that she wants them out. And she sympathizes with Hamas. I read an article the other day where, uh, and you've heard the saying, right? The one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. And I, I recounted back to the Minutemen during the revolution. You, I guess the British would have called them terrorists because it was a British colony, right? It was a British colony. And here's these people running around, blowing things up, tossing tea into the water, shooting soldiers, whatever. And they were freedom fighters, right? Because they wanted to, they wanted to win their freedom. So we have to understand how we, how we designate this, how we identify it, how we uh, call it. Now, when it steps over the line, um, I guess our Minutemen were attacking the British troops, right? They weren't running around killing British civilians. They weren't, uh, you know, doing that. They weren't murdering, raping, and robbing. They were attacking military targets to beat back the military. So that's one way to define them as freedom fighters. They were fighting for their freedom, and they fought against the military that was actually oppressing them. When we see uh, over in Hamas and Gaza, uh, we, we see what they're doing. They are attacking specifically civilians. And what's the purpose? Well, the purpose would be to break the will of the Israeli people. That's one of the reasons... Um, that you, you have to send such a message sometimes to somebody that they have to give up. When we dropped uh, nuclear weapons on Japanese cities, we knew there were people just living there. There were Japanese uh, citizens who maybe, maybe they were all in favor of the imperial Japanese government and they wanted to rule the world and, and kill people and, and maybe they were just stuck there and they had no choice uh, but to deal with it. But we dropped nuclear bombs on them. And thousands and thousands of civilians died from the blast and then from the effects afterwards. And the purpose was to show them that they have got to force their government to stop. 
right? You have to win the hearts and minds, and sometimes you have to let people know that they, they it, it is so painful to continue on the path you're on that you have to stop. And that was why we did that. So I think people can make the argument, and this is why I think they make the argument. I disagree with the argument, so let's be crystal clear on that. Hamas is a murderous, tyrannical, horrific organization that should be destroyed completely. I want to be clear on that. I'm not talking about the Palestinian people who disagree with Hamas. They are just people, probably stuck in a bad situation. They should be able to live their lives, raise their children in peace and safety. But Hamas as an organization is a diabolical, evil entity and should be destroyed and taken apart. That being cleared up. The, the reason I think Rashida Tlaib can look at that and say, at the horrific things that they did, well, they're freedom fighters. They're trying to break the will of the Israeli people to show you this is never going to end and this is what you get if you uh, don't move out, leave. This is what they want, right? And she's wrong. And she's wrong to say it because she's siding. It's like siding with the Nazis during World War II. It's not the right thing to do. It is antithetical to freedom and liberty and human decency. And the Congress decided to censure her, which I think is mild punishment. But at least it puts puts our government on record that, you know, it's not anti-Palestinian people. It's anti-Hamas terrorist group, right? We wouldn't. Do we have sympathy for ISIS? Do we have sympathy for the people that flew planes into our buildings? No, of course not. They were evil. And we call them out as they are. Well, Rashida Tlaib is part of the squad. They are anti-American. They are uh, socialist, maybe even communist. Uh, they are anti-tradition. They are anti-West. They are anti-everything that we believe in. But they were legitimately voted in by their people. Right? Which is a whole other argument. Who are you letting in your country that's voting for this kind of thing? Right? That's why immigration has consequences. Who do you let in? It's not just an open door because we have things. Everybody gets to come here. Uh, no, we as American people got to decide what's in our best interest as a people. Uh, but that's a whole other story we'll get into. But I see that she was censured. Um, she actually, uh, for using the words like, uh, or the meaning of to eradicate the Jewish people. Well, isn't that the final solution from the Nazis? Um, it, it's the same thing. This, this hatred goes on and on and on and on. It never ends. And we can't stand for it. Right? We can't stand for it. We, we have to fight it wherever we see it. Uh, and that goes for any kind of hatred of any group. Um, that's the only way to live a, a, a decent life is that you can't just hate people because of who they are, uh, because of their race, their religion, their national uh, origin. You can't hate people for that. What you can do is you can despise their actions if somebody is involved in something like Hamas. You can despise their action. And you could say anyone who, who engages in those things, who believes that that's the right way to behave, they are enemies of humanity. And they have to be taken out. They're demons running across the face of the earth. And you can't allow that. So I think censuring her is the simplest thing they could have done. Uh, and I'm glad they did. They should probably toss her out. Uh, that, would be, that would be my plan. But, you know, there are Republicans that voted against censuring her. How can that possibly be? How can you not say what she said? She has every right to say it. Granted, every right to say it. I'm not saying silence her and not allow her to speak. She has every right to say it. But then she has to deal with the consequences of what she says. See, that's the free speech 
kick in the head. You have every right to speak out on any subject and say what you want, whether it's good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter. But that doesn't mean you don't have to suffer consequences for your beliefs. Right? So she comes out and says, you know, she's Hamas is, is a freedom fighter, is doing the right thing. And the murders of all those innocent Israeli people, civilians, um, was legitimate and righteous. And, and, and that's disgusting. And we can all call it out and say it's disgusting. And while you can have those opinions, um, you can't be a part of our society. You know, we're, we're going to shun you because you believe in ugly things, right? So I think that was good. So does all of this, and I think I, I started covering this a couple episodes ago, does all of the things that we're seeing in our world that we see negatively, is all of this really just symptoms of a bigger uh, movement, which we started talking about in our country as we go from traditional conservative uh, Americans to more progressive liberal communists, as we're moving down that path, are all of these negative things simply the symptoms uh, or the result of that movement? And I would think that it is. I think it's pretty clear uh, that if we maintained a uh, conservative, um, traditional uh, point of view of way of conducting ourselves, we would have law and order in our streets. Um, criminals would be handled as criminals, uh, you know, uh, giving people a break where a break is uh, legitimate uh, is good. That's, that should be a good part of it. But if someone declares themselves an enemy of our society, they attack repeatedly, commit violent crimes, uh, break laws repeatedly, then they have to be punished for that behavior because we cannot have it as a civil society. Right? The regular people get to live their life safely without worrying about being raped and robbed and beaten in the street. And that would be a conservative way of going as opposed to our progressive way that we see now. DAs won't prosecute. They let people out because, oh, we feel bad for them or historically they were treated badly or historically they were put in jail. You know, if there's, if there's problems in the justice system, we should address that. If there are biases in there, we should remove them. Absolutely. Um, but to just say we're not going to enforce laws anymore because we don't like how things were in the past, you get what you have today. You have lawlessness. You have progressive life, which is innocent people are victimized, and that's too bad for them. That's how that one went. You get to be victimized. Um, we see the economy falling apart. Uh, we see the lack of energy, right? So is, is the environmental movement is it legitimate or is it like many of these other things simply a front for a uh, socialist communist movement? We know that Black Lives Matter has a, in the eyes and the hearts of many, many people, I think Black Lives Matter is uh, what they think to be a legitimate scream for justice. But we know in reality that, well, those people that are screaming for that and they feel legitimately that they've been aggrieved, we have to listen to them. We have to see if there's any truth to it and then change a system if it isn't. But I think the Black Lives Matter movement is actually a socialist communist movement. It's a front. It's using the good feelings of our friends on the left, which I have talked about in the past, 
Uh, they have good feelings. They have good hearts. They want to do the right things, and they get played. And I think BLM played them. And I think it's proven that their leadership are socialist communists, and their movement is not designed to bring justice um, to the African-American community. It's designed, it's a front to move society in the direction that socialists and communists want you to go, regardless of your race. Right? We don't deal with the, the crime, black-on-black -black crime. We don't deal with that. And there's innocent people in those communities being killed, hurt, maimed, raped. These are American citizens. And we don't deal with that because, uh, you know, it's, you can't. You can't. You can't talk about it. You have to pretend that it doesn't exist. In the meantime, our fellow citizens are being victimized every single day. And that's not right. Right? So we should be doing things about that. We look at all of these other, uh, the environmental groups. These are people who love camping. They love the outdoor world. They love clean air and water. Does anybody not love those things? Right? For years, they say, we, we're Republicans are against clean air and water. Are you kidding? Don't we breathe and drink water? Of course we want a clean environment. We have to weigh all those things. That environmental movement, which starts out as a good feeling, do the right thing, has been hijacked by communist socialists to use it as a front to change policy to change how Americans do things, how we, how we have oil or not oil. Oil is the lifeblood of our economy. Now, until you can put a uh, propeller, a windmill on top of Air Force One and fly it across the world, uh, then, we, then we don't have the alternative. Is it a good idea to work on alternatives? It is. It is a good idea to work on air and solar and wind and all that stuff. That is. But we can't demand that our society jump to that now just because it's a good idea. It's not, it's not effective yet. So therefore, uh, fossil fuels are the lifeblood of our economy and the world, the lifeblood of our strength and our ability to respond and to live a normal, decent life. So therefore, we have to continue to use those things until wind and solar and air power and all these other things have progressed to the point that they can replace it, right? Um, but it's, it's been hijacked. That whole movement's been hijacked. You know, the animals movement. Oh, the PETA movement. They want to protect animals, uh, but they wear leather coats. Um, and they're really just a communist socialist front. Maybe not the individual people that are in these groups that believe these things. I think they have good hearts and they want to do the right thing in all of these groups. But I think they're being used. Uh, I think the groups behind them are communist social socialist fronts. Uh, that have other agendas that are using their their topic uh, to move towards their agenda. And I think innocent, good, and decent people who hear the message and go, yeah, that's the right thing to do, are jumping up in there, and they're being, they're being used, right? Um, what, what do they call them? Useful idiots. The, the, uh, uh, I, I don't remember which one of the communists who wrote the manifesto, the original manifesto, said basically, uh, you know, they're useful idiots, these people. Because, you know, they'll fall for this stuff, and, and we know people do. We know people with good hearts are easily moved. Along that line, um, I, I, I looked at something happening, something between Hamas and, and watching all of these kids on these campuses um, carry these Hamas flags and uh, tear down posters of, of innocent victims who have been kidnapped and raped and murdered. And, and I'm trying to understand that movement and basically... Uh, what became very clear is that good now let's talk let's talk in general terms good good and decency 
not related to uh, as opposed to a person who's good or whatever the the concept of good and decency because it has its own parameters goodness and decency uh, when you put that into human beings they have a tendency to see the world as good and decent and not see a dark side of somebody they just see reasons why somebody did something bad but they don't attribute it to evil on the other hand there is evil and there are bad people uh, who want to do bad things who who don't care about hurting other people who don't care about victimizing people to get what they want this is bad this is evil so as i thought about this and I saw these things going on, it became very clear to me that the reality is that good does not understand evil, doesn't think like evil does, and therefore cannot attribute evil to evil things. They just think there's other reasons that these things, this is why we have soft on crime, right? Not that people are bad, not that people are criminals, that they choose to be criminals. They, they have nothing else. They have nothing else to do. They have no other way to make money. They have no other way to get the things in life they want. That's why they're doing this. See, that's what good says. And then you have the other side, evil, who fully understands good and good's weaknesses and preys upon it. And that is why we have the problems that we have in our society. Right? It's, it seems pretty clear to me. that, And I put that out on social media, and I think a lot of people thought about it, which is what I'm trying to do, ask questions and think. Uh, and they agreed. You know, you're right. Good sees good everywhere. Evil sees weakness and takes advantage. And in just about any of these situations that we've talked about, or you can think about, put that dynamic into the equation. What does good see in any of these things that goes on? And what does evil see? Right? So that's, that's where that comes from. So along that line, uh, you know, I don't like to mention criminals' names. I don't want to give them, give them their, their day in the sun. But when we talk about crime and crime running rampant, and it's a result of liberal policies, it is soft on crime, uh, inappropriate thinking, not understanding human beings, which is why we allow this. In the city of Chicago, which is, it's a crime city now. For the victims, the citizens who live there, it is... It is a terrible way to have to live every day with the threat of death, injury, assault, etc. There was a young woman, um, and her name is, its I think it's Joni. It could be Johnny, but I think it's Joni, young woman. Joni Angel Klein from Chicago. Um, she's a mother of two, a 10-year-old, I think, and a, and a 6-year-old. I think that's the ages of her kids. And she's walking in Chicago with these children. She goes to an ATM. And she is accosted by two thugs who come up to her uh, and they ended up shooting and killing her, taking her life at an ATM. Uh, they've arrested these two killers and now they're deciding what should they charge them with. Well, I would think we haven't heard the rest of the story, which tells me there's probably more to it that doesn't fit the narrative of our friends on the left. They don't want to give us the full story. So where else do we see that? Well, we see that in how many instances of the media. That's why people call it the fake media, because they give you a biased point of view. They only tell you what they want you to know, uh, and they try and direct the narrative. So just recently, you know the, uh, the Nashville school shooter that had a manifesto? A, a manifesto is a written 
a document of their beliefs, their plans. You know, that's a manifesto. You hear that word all the time. And this killer had a manifesto, and it was discovered um, in her car after she killed the children and the school people and the police eliminated her. Uh, turns out that the killer was a transgender person. And as the reports goes, transgender man. Now, remember when the first reports came out, they said it was a female shooter. Female shooter because they, they saw the person who was laying there dead. Um, but apparently, she, transgender person. Right? Thought they were the other gender or wanted to be the gender, whatever. Um, and this manifesto was not released to the public. Now, every other manifesto of every other wacky, crazed, lunatic, maniacal killer that we come across they release any writings that they have within a very short period of time so people can understand who this person is, why did this happen, and most importantly, so we have lessons learned to look for potential danger in the future. That's what we learn from these things. You know, it's not a purient uh, just to read their manifesto, what they thought. It's understanding their thinking so that you can see if there's other groups of people or individuals that think this way, then we can maybe learn from that and prevent the next tragedy. Maybe we can intervene. That's, that's what all this is about. But they would not release this manifesto. Well, just recently, and I, I give credit where credit is due, it's a Crowder, Louder with Crowder has a, a program. And somehow or other, he got copies either of the entire manifesto or of individual pages that were given to him, and then he published them uh, on his website and put them out there. Now, the response... I think that we've seen is that because we kind of knew that the manifesto was going to be based on the killer's beliefs, uh, what they thought is right, their lifestyle or whatever, uh, it's not really shocking to read it. We kind of knew that and we knew that when they wouldn't release it. Uh, and this information came out that uh, the killer is a transgender person and their manifesto probably had a lot to say about that and how they felt and they were treated and why they're angry and what they want to do. And it would not reflect well on the transgender community. And that's why they did not want to release it. So who didn't want to release it? Why did they do it in every other thing but in this one? Well, if it makes, if it makes you look bad, uh, it's, it's not the entire community. It's this one person, right? I don't think the entire transgender community wants to go out and murder children in a school. This person had that idea and that belief and that desire that individual person not everybody in that community so why not re release it let everybody see it and read it so we can learn well crowder got it and he put it out and it, it really confirms uh what we all knew all along so now they're gonna now they are investigating the release of the document uh with with fervor and zeal to find out who released this document more, uh, more intensely than they were to release the entire document originally to all of us so we could all see and learn from it, right? So it's, it's a pretty, pretty strange uh, turn of events. But I'm sure that, you know, that genie's out of the bottle. And I'm sure we'll, at some point we will get the rest of the manifesto so we can understand what happened here. Why? Is there other groups of people who believe the same things and how do we intervene to help them so they don't go on a murderous rampage right do people feel um do they feel that no one's listening to them they have other problems 
that we can address. That's what we have to do. We have to listen to what other people are saying, right, wrong, or indifferent, no matter what we think about it personally, understand what somebody's saying and why they're saying it, and then see what we can do to prevent uh, either personal tragedy for them or tragedy for society as a whole. That is what intervention is about. That is what lessons learned is all about. And that is something that uh, we probably should have done. So this violence, when you don't hear all the story, you know that there's some agenda being attacked in the truth. That's why they don't release the truth. You ever hear, uh, you know, they, they protect the identity of the person who committed the crime. Uh, and why are they doing that? Because they don't want to they don't want to put um, negative light on an entire group of people just because of the individual who committed the crime. So therefore, they in- omit a lot of the facts about the case and you, you get, you know, stupid things. Be on the lookout for a man with a hat because well, he killed and robbed four people. Well, what good does that do to anybody? The whole idea to put that information out so that if you see that person, you can avoid them, you can call the police, uh, you can have them arrested. But they just give you the most basics of things because they don't want to put aspersions on any person or group. And that's not helpful to any of us because that's not the truth. But we all know that when you hear that, that there's an agenda that they don't want released. And this, uh, this poor woman who was murdered on the streets in front of her children in Chicago uh, for using an ATM and the rest of the story hasn't come out. So there's, I'm sure there's more to it. The, uh, the manifesto from the Nashville Covenant School shooter will make its way out eventually, and we have to then discuss that and see what goes on. All right, my friends, we are drawing to a close here today for this episode, this get-together. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you listening. And we brought up a lot of things to think about, and that's really the key. Where are we going? How are we going to get there? And what's going to look like when we arrive? That's what we all need to think about and make decisions. So until we meet again, remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Have a great day.